Thank you all. Hey, we uh, have a uh, couple that uh, every time I see they're here, I keep forgetting, or I don't see them till after the service is over is actually what's happened. Uh, but they are newlyweds because it's for the first five years, right, that you're newlyweds? Know how it works? Okay. Say yes, of course, Pastor Jeff, yeah. Uh, but uh, Kristen and Tabor, where are you hiding back there? Can I see you? Can I see you? Yeah, this is newlyweds. This is uh, Pastor Tim's daughter, Kristen, and her brand-new husband, Tabor. Uh, would you stand? We just want to say congrats. Nice job. Yeah. Thank you. They're living down in uh, the large metropolis of Kalkaska. It's kind of a fun name to say, isn't it? Kalkaska. Uh, I just want to say one thing. I think Pastor Bob may, might have mentioned this. But uh, two pollsters, my favorite two, the two Georges, George Barna, Christian pollster, George Gallup, uh, again, um, and uh, they both say something that I think is very interesting, and here's what it, they've both concluded. If you'll invite somebody to come with you next Sunday, the majority of them will say yes and return with you next Sunday. Did you know that? Um, the missing piece is that we're not asking and we're not inviting, but what they've discovered is that when people who don't normally go to church are invited by someone like you and say, hey, why don't you go to church with me this Sunday, the majority of them will say yes. So here's my challenge. Who are you going to bring with you next Sunday? Who are you going to, you're going to take the time and the effort and get up the courage by God's grace. I'm going to invite them. And uh, it's a win, even if they can't come, even if there's a, a reason they can't come. But if you ask, that's the win. I think that's all we're called is, is to invite. So w would you consider that? Again, next Sunday, great Sunday uh, to uh, invite some folks. We are in Acts chapter 20 today, and we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's goodbye speech. Okay, Acts chapter 20, it's on the back of your bulletin if you don't have your Bible. Um, as I've been getting ready for today, here's what I discovered. This is the passage that a lot of pastors use like on their last Sunday at a church. Um, and I hope that's not the case, you know. I hope, I hope there isn't a semi or a, you know, a cement truck or something coming my way. But anyway, this is uh, oftentimes when, when a pastor's moving on, this is the section he'll turn to because it's kind of Paul's final words to his friends, the leaders in the church at Ephesus. Now, if we go to the book of Ephesians, I could take you to the book of Revelation. Oh, by the way, did you know we're going to study the book of Revelation next school year? Okay, I, we've already we're already starting. So, you know, why don't you? Why don't we ever talk? Uh, we're going to give you like thirty sermons on the book of Revelation starting next September. So, uh, in case you've wanted to uh, charge through and look at the seals and the trumpets and the vials and there's good stuff there, Jim. Anyway, it's kind of fun. So that'll be happening next year. But anyway, I digress. Can you tell I got a little ADD going today? Yeah. <laughs> Henry could. Uh, just a little. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, if you go to the book of Ephesians, book of Revelation, you'll see that, that the Apostle Paul made a huge difference in these people's lives. He deeply, lasting, affected them. I mean, he left a legacy 
that's still enduring to this day. And it started here in the church at Ephesus. And here's what I'm convinced. The things that Paul recognized, the, the things that Paul did to make a difference for eternity in, in the people in the church at Ephesus, those same principles apply to us. We, we can take those same uh, principles and put them to practice in the people around us, and we can make a difference in their lives for eternity. And, and we can leave a lasting legacy on this earth, right? Because how many lives do we get? How many chances do we get uh, with, this, with this life we live in? And hold up, how, how many chances do you get? This is it. There's no do-overs, okay? Uh, no mulligans, Verlin. Sorry, might get one in, in the golf league. No mulligans in life. This is it. So if we're going to make a difference, this one and only life, let's learn. Let's stand together. Acts chapter 20, slide down to verse 17. It's on the back of your bulletin if you want to read it small. Uh, we'll put it up here large for you. You can read. We're going to read down through verse 21. Ready? Here we go. Let's read. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach about anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer for myself my prayer for each of my friends here right now is that we wouldn't waste this one and only life you've given us. Lord, uh, help us to make a difference in the people that you've placed us around. Lord, uh, you've intentionally put people around us and they need to hear about your son. They need to be reached they need to see in us the reality of Jesus. And Lord, I'm asking that you might enable us to, to leave a lasting legacy. Lord, reveal to us personally how we should be best using our time, our talent, our treasure to impact our family, our friends, our co-workers, uh, the people we go to school with, um, the people who live in our neighborhood. Lord, uh, show us how we can live like Paul did and make an eternal difference in the lives and the people all around us. And, and I believe represented here are thousands and thousands of people that each of us regularly rub shoulders with. Lord, we invite the third person of the Trinity to take charge in your church right now. Lord, you come and... Uh, you fill this place with your presence. Help us to tune in and hear your still, small voice. And all the church gathered at Walloon said with joy, You did good. You may be seated. <laughs> Here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced that ordinary me and ordinary you 
have an extraordinary Jesus. So we, we're ordinary, and we're just pretty plain, and yet we have an extraordinary Savior, Jesus Christ, who indwells us and gives us his power and his grace to make an eternal difference in the people that he's placed around us. Think about it. Otherwise, wouldn't he just, like, save you and then say, okay, you're dead, coming home. Come on home, Chuck. That's not how it works most of the time. Most of the time, people come to personal faith in Jesus, and there's a lot of years. There's a lot of decades. There's a reason for that. He wants us to impact the lives of the people that he's placed around us. Live large and strong through the power of Jesus living right here. We see that in the life of the Apostle Paul here. He, he really does leave a legacy that endures, and it endures to this day. Paul's life lived to make a difference in the people in the city of Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, and specifically the leaders at Ephesus. Now think about it. How does that apply to you? Um, we're called to make a difference, first of all, First of all, Mike, with our spouse, right? You're, you're called to make a difference with Marty. And Marty, right back again at Mike. Welcome home, okay? We're called with our spouse. We're called to make a difference with our children. And we're called to make a difference, if you're a child, with our parents and with our brothers and sisters and then to our extended family. I, I just want you to know it starts at home, okay? And then we impact the lives of the next generations, the grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren, some of you. And then we want to influence the lives of our co-workers, right? Those that we're working with, uh, our fellow students, if you're going to school, our friends, our neighbors, our extended family. I just want to give you three principles that we're going to learn from Paul this morning. There's probably 27 of them, okay? But we're only going to look at three of them. And uh, these are things we see in Paul's relationship. This is how he made a difference in their lives, okay? And uh, we're just going to look at what, what's it take to make an eternal difference and then what you can expect if you start stepping out and reaching out and you're going to try to impact the lives of those around you. Wh what should we expect? I'm going to give you three things. Got a pen? Got a piece of paper somewhere? You got a bulletin? I know that, many of you. Okay, just, just jot down. Here we go. You're here in church. You might as well pay attention. Try not to sleep. I'll try to stay awake myself. Uh, and uh, here we go. You might as well remember. First of all, if you're going to get involved in people's lives and make a difference, know this. It's messy. Okay? Uh, just right. It's messy. It, it's, it's, it's oftentimes really chaotic and a little crazy, and it's not nearly as neat and clean as we want it to be. And the truth is, the, the major reason why lots of us don't want to get involved with other people and we don't really care about making a difference, it, it's not as neat and clean and it's going to consume my time and I need to expect the unexpected, and, and I'm not sure I got time for that. I'm not sure I got energy for that. I'm not sure that that fits in my schedule so well. And I just want you to know, if you're going to reach out and touch people around you, it's going to be messy at times, and you can just expect the unexpected. Take your Bibles and go back one chapter. This is what we talked about last Sunday. And I just want to review with you, okay, 
How was it messy for Paul? I'm glad you asked. Uh, let's look at verses 1 to 7. Paul enters the city of Ephesus and bang, the unexpected happens. He meets 12 men, and it seems like they know some stuff spiritually, but it's almost like Paul knew something wasn't right. And the more he talks to them, they're talking about sin and baptism and John the Baptist, but there's no Jesus and there's no cross and there's no Holy Spirit. Okay? So right from the start, he walks into Ephesus, and now he's got people who only have a few pieces of the puzzle. And now he's got to fill in the rest of the story, and he needs to share with them about the cross and the shed blood and the tomb, and then the stone was rolled away and Jesus is alive. And as he shares, they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, now I'm sure he wasn't expecting that, but that's exactly what meets him as he walks into the city. Uh, then verses 8 and 9, chapter 19, Paul goes to the synagogue, and he's going to talk to the Jews like he does every city, okay? And for three months, they like it. For three months, verses 8 and 9, they're open to the message. And he says, and you can look here in uh, Psalm 22, and that points to Jesus on the cross. And Isaiah 53, and he points to how Jesus meets those requirements. After three months, verses 8 and 9, chapter 19, look at it. Suddenly, they get a little stubborn. They get a little ornery. They get mouthy. They get ugly. And now they start giving Paul grief. And suddenly he recognizes that he's not going to be able to speak there any longer. So he goes and finds himself another place to speak. Look at verses 9 and 10. And for how long did he speak there? Anybody? Two years. Five hours a day. Can you imagine? Two years, five hours a day, Paul's there every day, and he's sharing about Jesus. And, he, and he's talking to them and preaching to them and teaching them and asking them questions. And, and they're asking him questions. Everybody in the city of Ephesus, give me your eyes, had the opportunity to hear about Jesus while Paul was lecturing there, okay? Um, and then verses 11 and 12, you talk about unexpected. Look at verses 11 and 12. It says that even handkerchiefs that Paul had used to wipe his forehead with, when they touched people, miraculous, extraordinary stuff happened. Um, this is just an ordinary handkerchief with just plain old sweat, okay? But God said this, you know what? This city is filled with all sorts of spiritual opposition and occultic power. I want to show you who the capital G God is, and his name is Jesus. And now look at what he does through his servant Paul, and powerful stuff. And then these seven guys, sons of Sceva, verses 13 to 16, we looked at this last week, they said, oh man, we like this power stuff. We're going to try it. They don't know Jesus. They're not followers of Christ. They haven't accepted the message of the cross, but they're out there playing around with it. Remember what happened? They, they mess with this demon-possessed guy, and he beats the snot out of seven of them. And they run out of the house, bare-naked, bleeding, running, screaming memes running down the road, okay? Uh, really made an impression on the people of Ephesus, so much so 
look at verses 17 to 20. Um, it says that the church in Ephesus, they were followers of Jesus. They wake up and get serious. This Jesus stuff is for real. And suddenly now it says they burned millions of dollars worth of satanic stuff. They, they just burn all their garbage uh, associated with their former life when they bought in to all this occultic, satanic stuff. And oh, by the way, you remember last week? We had several of our folks come forward and say, you know what, enough of that stuff from my former life. I'm getting serious. I'm putting Jesus front and center on my life. And that's exactly what they did here in the city of Ephesus. Pretty powerful. So that happens and then we didn't look at this. Look at verse 23. Um, the guys who created silver statues of the goddess of fertility. Track with me. And, and, and they crafted these little silver statues, and they made big bucks. But Paul was so effective. Paul was so effective in sharing about Jesus that suddenly now sales are down. Suddenly now... People aren't buying the little statues, and now they're ticked. And now, if you look at verses 23 to 41, the silver statue guys cause a riot, and they riot, and they try to kill Paul and his friends, and they got to run out of town. Okay, here's my point. Almost nothing goes as planned. Paul's whole time here in Ephesus, Satan is launching fiery darts, and you certainly can't always see things clearly as things are going crazy all around them. If you're going to be someone who makes a difference in other people's lives, it's going to be messy. You can expect the unexpected. People will, will make messes, and they will at times do things they shouldn't be doing, and you're going to have to go help them, and they're going to crash and burn, Penny. Come on, let's get up. Let's get your mess cleaned up. Let's start walking back with Christ. Working with people is a lot like making sausage, okay? How many of you like to eat sausage? Can I get an amen? I had sausage with turkey in it this morning. Yeah, isn't that special? Um, anyway, most of us like to eat sausage, but here's what I know. Most of us don't want to watch sausage being made. Anybody ever been to a factory where they're making hot dogs or they're making sausage? Um, I had that experience one time. I didn't eat any hot dogs for a long time. It's nasty. You're looking and you're saying, really? And, and, then, they, and then we eat it after that? Um, so we don't like to watch sausage being made, but we just want to eat it. The same is true for people. It's messy. <laughs> it's not pretty oftentimes. So, no, no, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I, I don't want to mess with it. And I'm just telling you, you need to know there's going to be ups and there's going to be what? There's going to be trouble. There's going to be fires. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be confusion at times. Uh, sometimes even, Tony, sometimes the Lord even says, okay, now it's time to walk through a valley. You, you mean the Lord would even take people through valleys? Do you remember Psalm 23? And yea, though I walk through the what? The valley, even the valley of the shadow. Yep, sometimes we have to walk with people even through the valley times of life. That, that's what it means to reach out and love on people and walk with them even through the hard times, okay? So, first thing we learn from Paul, if you're going to impact the lives of people around you, it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. 
At times, it's going to be chaotic. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. Second thing, if you're going to make a difference in the lives the Lord places around you, it's going to require lots of, you can write this down, humility. Where do you see that? Look at verse 18. When they arrived, he said to them, this is Paul speaking to his friends, um, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great what? Verse 19, okay, got six of you, let's get six more. I served the Lord with great, what is it? And with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Have you ever heard it said, uh, if you ever say that you're humble, you're not? You heard that, Chad? So, so I can't say I'm a humble guy, Otherwise, you're going to say what to me? Pastor Jeff, if you say you're humble, you're not. Well, um, Paul isn't talking about puffing yourself up here. He's talking about humility in the sense of putting other people first. You tracking? Uh, In other words, humility in the sense that says, um, I'm willing to give more than I expect you to give me back. That's the humility he's talking about here. Most of us were natural scorekeepers. And, he, and here's how we keep score. Um, Henry, um, I took you to uh, the Bayview Inn. I took you to Whitecaps. Um, and then you took me out to dinner, and we went to Wendy's. Really? Really? I'm keeping score. Because I, 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 I got big scores when I took you out to dinner, and then you took me and you, had to, you said I had to pick from the dollar menu. I got robbed. Okay? Here's what Paul said about that. Slide down to verse 35. I want you to see. Here's the secret of impacting others. Last part of verse 35. He says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive, okay? Um, That's the secret that you need to learn. If you're going to impact the lives of other people, you're going to have to say, I'm not keeping score. Matter of fact, I realize I'm going to give you a lot more than I'm going to get back, and I'm okay with that. I've done uh, more than my share of marriage counseling over 30 years in church ministry, and here's what I've discovered. 30-plus years, I've never discovered an exception to this. If you dig down into marriage problems, every time, at core, either it's the husband or the wife or oftentimes both, and they're not looking out for the interests of the other person, who are they looking out for? Man, what about me? Hey, they're not doing this, and you don't understand, Pastor Jeff. They're not doing that and this and that. And then you go over here, and, and they're not doing this and this and this for me either. And it's all about me. Here's what you need to know. If you're going to impact others, it's time to look out for the other person. And I'm going to give you something practical, okay? You can write this one down, okay? You ready? Write it down. Here's the question that I want you to start asking this week, okay? You ready? How can I help you? How can I help you? Think about it. If you, Chad, were to turn to Heather and and you say, Heather, how can I help you? How can I help you? Henry, if you went to Jeff and said, how can I help you today? 
Penny, just think of all, if you'll just go to that person in your life and you'll say, how can I help you? And then you go beyond just asking the question, but you actually are ready to respond, okay? So since I know that some of you, you've never actually spoken these words, I'm going to help you practice right now, okay? So we're going to say it out loud together, okay? Uh, I'll say it and you say it back at me, okay? How can I help you? And you're going to say... No, how can I help you? And you're going to say, see, it's, those words actually can be formed on your tongue. It's good, isn't it? Okay, now turn to your neighbor, and you tell them, and then it's your turn, and you tell them. Go ahead. Tell somebody right around you, how can I help you? No, really, how can I help you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're saying, what you're saying is I'm willing to leverage my time my efforts, my focus to help you in whatever you need, okay? Now, teens, if you do this with your parents, have them sit down first because we don't want anybody getting hurt, okay? So ask them to sit down, and, and then you say, Mom, Dad, how can I help you, okay? Um, here, here's how I want to close this section. I dare you. I double dog dare you okay to sometime before you go to bed tonight and lay your head on the pillow you say these words to someone okay how can i help you and mean it and then whatever they say okay i'm willing by god's grace to help in that area okay it's amazing you're getting the focus off of you and you're putting on what you can do to help them and suddenly now you're going to have a lot of influence and you're ready to make an impact on that person when they know that you're putting them first. First, know that impacting people is messy. I promise you, it'll go directions you never expected. It's not neat and clean. You have to be ready for that second. Making a difference means putting others first. You before me, what can I do to help? Third, if you're going to have a lasting effect on others, you have to learn, here's the third thing, to speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. Chapter 20, slide down to verse 20. Here's, here's where we see this in Paul's life. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Verse 26, Therefore I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. You know what? Paul had earned the right to speak truth. But as Ephesians 4.15 says, he didn't just speak truth, he spoke truth in love. Now here is the interesting thing. Almost every one of us, we lie on one side or the other of this. Some of us here today, you're really good at speaking truth, but truth without love is what? Anybody know? It's brutality. If you just speak truth and there's no love, you're going to beat people up. You're going to kill them. But I also want you to know that love without truth is nothing but flattery. 
You're just blowing smoke. You're just trying to be nice and everyone will like you. Okay? So I want you to just think about your life here for a second. And since most of you and most of us, we find one side or the other, how many of you are pretty good at speaking truth? That, that's not really a problem for you. Can I see your hands? How many of you? Truth, I, I can lay out truth pretty good. Show me your hands. Okay, now the rest of you, some of you are really good at being loving and kind and gentle, but uh, not so great with truth. Can I see your hands? You're on the other side of this. Okay, whatever side you're on, you got to add the other with it. Okay, people need to know that you care about them if they're actually going to respond to your influence. Here's, here's what I, I, for five years, my, my first five years in ministry, I had written on a sign, my desk faced this way, and I looked at this every day for five years. Ready? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People could give a rip if you are the smartest person in the world if they think you're not for them, if, if they don't believe you care for them. So both of those things are true. you got to get them both together, okay? And we need to earn the right to be heard so we can speak truth. And once you've earned the right, and Paul showed that, sacrificially looking out for them, then he spoke truth, and he'd earned the right, and he said it with love. And, and that's the secret for us, okay? So who are the people that you care about? Who are the people who know that you care about them? Can they tell? Have, have you talked to them about Jesus? Let's go back here. Paul didn't earn the right and say, uh, Henry, I just got to tell you, you have the worst deadly bad breath I've ever heard, smelled in my life, and, and you need to do something. That wasn't what he was focused on. He talks about Jesus. I, I, I had to tell you, you need to repent and run to the cross. I, I taught you God's word. So the reason that we care about people is so we can influence them and then speak up to them about Jesus Christ. Make sense? That, that's where we earned the right. He died on the cross. He, he shed his blood for my sins. He took my place in the tomb and he arose from the dead. And he'll do the same thing for you. He'll do the same thing for you. So let me close. Do you want to impact people for all of eternity? Do, do you truly want to leave a lasting legacy that will endure after you breathe your last breath here on planet Earth? Uh, first, you're going to have to recognize it's messy, it's chaotic, it's hard. You're going to have to get your hands dirty to influence other people. Secondly, if you're going to make a difference in the lives of others, put others first. You before me. How can I help you? How can I help you? And finally, to have a lasting effect on others, we've got to learn to speak the truth in love, which means you've got to earn the right to speak truth. Nobody's going to listen until they know that you care, and now you've earned the right to speak truth. Um, how many times do we get to live this life that we've been given, how many chances do we get? Show me again. It's one. This is it. No do-overs, no mulligans, no second chances. This is the one life we get to make a difference. What are you going to do with it? 
What are you going to do with it? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, uh, thank you for the life of the Apostle Paul. Thank you, Lord, that he was fully human and frail just like us, and yet you used him in marvelous ways to impact others. Lord, uh, I'm praying that we might be willing to engage and get our hands dirty, even when it's messy and hard and crazy and time-consuming. May we reach out to those you've placed around us. Lord, give us the courage and the endurance to hang in there even when it's hard. And Lord, I'm praying that you might uh, help us to start putting others first. Lord, I pray that especially in our families. We'd start asking, how can I help? What can I do to help? Lord, may that start in our marriages. May that start in our families. Lord, may we carry that on the job, in the classroom. Lord, may we be serving others everywhere we go. And Lord, help us to earn the right to be heard. And when we've earned that right, Lord, help us to speak up boldly and lovingly for your son Jesus. And now, Lord, as the ushers come forward, we're grateful that we're able to give back some of what you've blessed us with. Lord, thank you that uh, these funds are going to feed dozens and dozens of families in northern Michigan. Thank you, Lord, that these funds are going to help our church family, those who are struggling and hurting in many different ways. I pray for your blessings on them, and I pray for each person as they give these gifts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. somebody around you as you leave. Anything I can do to help? Anything I can do to help you in any way? You're dismissed. Greet one another as you exit.
upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and blood for us. Freely you bled for us. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. is risen from 